All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. I just want to apologize. We're we missed Wednesday. It just got away from us. Tim was traveling. I wasn't doing anything. Tim was traveling. But now we're yeah, back. yeah. I flew home to Boston last night, yesterday afternoon, um, for my brother's wedding, which is on Saturday tomorrow. Saturday, yeah. Very fun. Uh, very exciting. But yeah, we're back at it now. We'll get to it. You came in, we turned on the call, and you said, I'm hot. John, yeah. I'm, hot. I'm hot. I'm hot. And I asked, what is it, Tim? I'm on a, I'm on a save it for the show. What is couple it? A couple of things. A couple of things. Okay, First, let's hear it. I've said this before. One of the best parts of coming home to Boston and driving around in the car is listening to the local sports radio. Because I used to do it every day. Even when I was doing landscaping jobs in the summer, it was like all day, every day. And I miss it. And they're really good at it. But I think I what I didn't realize until I've left and come back is like how negative they are. And I get that like media personality, they say controversial stuff and all whatever, but they get the clicks and the downloads and and we do it sometimes too. But these guys, so the Bruins, and I promise this is the only time I'm talking about the Bruins, the whole episode, the first place, you know, winning a million games, what are they 13 and two? And you think that you, they'd be praising them, right? All they're talking about this morning. I went for a little drive down the street to get a couple donuts. They, are talking about how Allmark is playing way above his career averages and that Swayman is dealing with injuries. And basically like this whole thing is going to come crashing down soon. It's like, it's like enjoy it while it lasts people. This is Allmark is not this good. He is not this player that we've seen. This is 10 games. This is small sample size. This is all going to come tumbling down. They'll be a playoff team. They'll be what we, what they've been the last couple of years. They'll probably finish third in their division. They'll lose in the first or second round. This is not a different team. Don't get used to it. That's the message that they're saying. And I couldn't disagree more. I see you nodding your head. Sounds like maybe you agree with this. What do you think? No, I'm just, I, it's interesting because they don't have any reason to be pessimistic. No. You know, I, I, what you're, what I'm thinking when you're saying this is these radio broadcasters should be in Buffalo <laughs> because the Sabres have that issue. They're in Groundhog Day every single year when it comes to their starts and their success, and then they just fall off a cliff. And we'll get to that a little later on in the show. But it's just funny you mention that. The Bruins, they've been good for 20 years. They've been a really competitive team consistently in the playoffs. Why? Yeah, I guess they're preppers. They're they're just prepping themselves for when. Because it inevitably inevitably will happen where they will slow up. They, they can't sustain this pace throughout the season. Where they win thirteen of fifteen, that that's that won't happen. So maybe they're just preparing themselves for when they only win eight out of fifteen, and they have like a four game losing streak or a six game losing. Streak. I don't know. Is is that what they're doing? Because I feel like the Bruins and Boston as a whole, they've been pretty pretty blessed with their sports teams. It was like the city of champions for a long time with the Celtics, the Patriots, the Bruins, the Red Sox. Every year there was a parade going on in Boston. So I, maybe they haven't had a parade in a while and they're getting a little itchy. 
Yeah, yeah, it's the typical. It's always the same guys you listen to that are being negative. So that got me a little hot this morning. And the second thing I'm not hot about, but I'm curious. I threw it out on Twitter or Instagram. Um, I said, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you on the ice? Just pull the audience. Some really funny stories. People talking about just like tripping on breakaways or stepping with their shin guards on or like, one guy thought the puck went in, so he batted into his own net out of frustration, but it didn't go in, and he was the one oh, that no. knocked it in, stuff like oh, that. No. I'm still re- they're, they're coming in. They're really, really funny. So check out the comments, but I wanted to ask you the same question. Do you have, do you have any moments that you just totally humiliated yourself? First game with the Blackhawks, I was playing in Chicago versus Detroit. Val Filpula comes down on me, and I just catch a rut and go ass over tea kettle. He goes in far side bar down first shift i'm just mortified embarrassed terrible first impression i I still remember that play he's coming down like phil below okay just i had a great gap perfectly angled and i never i never catch a rut i never fall never and sure enough right in front of our bench too like right in front of our bench i'm just like man did they give it to you or did they try to pump no. you back? No. Nobody gave it to me. They were just like tough break, man. It sucks. Just did you see Carlson do it the other day on the power play? He, no. he was walking the blue line for San Jose, walking it, dragging the puck, dragging a puck, just eats it. Someone picks up the puck and goes down and scores. It's just the worst feeling to have that fall and then your dash one laying on the ice when the guy scores. Ugh. Embarrassing. Well, I got. I guess then we're airing grievances. I'll, I'll air grievances of my own. Uh-oh. I got one, and it happened this morning. And this thing, and I love my wife. Let me preface <laughs> this. I thought you were going to say something about me, but it's your own. No, wife. no, okay. you're you're in the clear this time, Tim. But there's nothing worse. So I, I like to go to church. I'm I'm a God fearing gentleman, but I, I serve mass in the morning sometimes, and I was serving this morning. It's a good 17 to 20 miles away. I get in the car. It's 620. Takes me 10 minutes to get there. I prepare. Mass starts at 7. I get in the car. I'm already running a little late just because it was a late morning, running around, getting wood in the stove. There's a lot more to do in the winter than there is in the summer. I get in the car. Snowing. Going to have to slow down a little more. Going to... Add to the the time a little bit. There is zero gas in the car. Uh-huh. Zero. My wife drove it last night. Drives me bananas. She drove it all over last night, taking the kids to events, this and that. Got home late, so I didn't have a chance to check the tank. You know how it has the gauge, tells you how many miles you have left? Seven miles to go. My destination was 20 miles. I'm like, I can't run out of gas at 6.30 in the morning. And I don't usually do this. I give my wife a pass. I sent her a scathing text. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, thanks a lot. I either am going to run out of gas on the way to church or be late for church. I appreciate the next time you take my car to let me know if there's no gas. Because I would have left five minutes early. You know what I mean? To give myself a little buffer to throw a couple gallons in the tank. Oh, was I pissed off. I was so mad. That's one of my pet peeves. It's like, if you take my car... Put a couple, put a couple bucks in it, so you don't. You're you're putting me in a tough spot. It just bothers me. I love my wife, but that bothered me. And that that that's it's the little things. You know what I mean? Well, so, just wait, just wait till your kids are old enough to drive, and they take the car here and there, and they're going to be doing no, that. Stuff there will every be day. a rule if if you do that, you will not get the car anymore. That's that's enough. That's enough for that. So. All right, moving on. Let's let's talk. I feel bad talking about this team again because we've we've talked about them over and over again. But what we what I've said all along, ever since they signed JT Miller, is finally coming to fruition. People are starting to talk about it. What did Craig Button say? He's a TSN insider. I love Craig Button. What did he have to say about the Bull Horvat situation, Tim? He said, quote, unquote, Horvat's done. It appears to me that Bo Horvat, he's done and he's best served going somewhere else. The criticism that we've heard about Bo Horvat and the contract negotiations is that he's a player that's going to be on the move. So I'm assuming this is t- him. he's either talked to someone in Horvat's camp or talked to someone that would know 
and he's a reliable source that Horvat's on the way out. What a it's you know, I feel bad for the Vancouver Canucks. People rip on them all the time, us included. But then when I look at what they've done and how they tried to build their team, they they try. You can't fault them for trying. They get these false hopes where they they have an okay season in 2000, whatever it was, 18, 19. They go to the bubble. They, they play great. They win a playoff round. They make a run. Everybody's excited. They go out. They get JT Miller. That's going to be really exciting. Before that, they got Tyler Myers. They they stink last year, but they get Boudreau. Boudreau is the difference. He's going to make them, you know, a, a good team again. So they re up JT Miller. They they bring everybody back. They bring in Mikheyev. This is the year. Last year, the last two years, it was just all an aberration. We didn't have the right coach. Now we got Bruce Boudreau. So whenever they have that little glimmer of hope, they grab onto it. Oh, and they grab onto it. They don't let go, and they make moves, and they say, "This is it." We have the team, and then it just crumbles again, and it's crumbling again. And you go back and you look at this team. There are certain points in this franchise in the last six, seven years that you can point to and say, that's where they went wrong. And it's it's three big moves in my mind. It's the trade for Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland, where you're giving up a first rounder, you're giving up a second rounder. And yes, you had to throw in some expendable contracts, but they weren't long term. You're getting Connor Garland, who's a good player, but you're taking on Oliver ekman Larson. And that was a big contract. It was an eight-year, $66 million contract. I think he was two years into the deal when they got him. And OEL's not a bad player. I rip on him quite a bit. He's not a bad player. He's he's a one-track mind, offensively gifted player. We saw what he could do in Arizona on a bad team. Everybody thought he's going to a good team surrounded by good offensive players. He's going to explode. He's been in, He's only been in Vancouver for two years, Tim. Doesn't it feel like longer? It does. And how much of the salary cap did they eat? Didn't Coyote eat some of his cap? Coyotes ate 12%. So Vancouver's still on the hook for 88% of that cap. So it was eight point something a year. I think the Coyotes are on the hook for the Canucks are on the hook for seven of it. So they're, they're still paying a sizable amount of his contract. But since he's come over, he got 30 points last year in 79 games, and he's got seven points in 17 games this year. Not terrible. But not great. For a guy who's making eight-plus million dollars a year, I go and I look at who's in his area, his category of people making that much money. You're talking the Heiskanens, the Shabbats, the Carlsons, the Trubas, the Hedmans, the Spurgeons. All those guys I would rather have instead of Oliver Ekman Larson. And yes, he's young. He just turned 30. Maybe he still has some room to grow in this franchise. Maybe he's still trying to figure out the kinks. But so far... Early returns are not good on acquiring him. That was one thing. Another chink of why I think this team is struggling. Signing Tyler Myers. I love Tyler Myers. Friend of the show. Again, 2019. They went for it. They traded for JT Miller. They get Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers signs five years, $30 million. Not a terrible defenseman. But you can notice a dramatic drop in points. He was in Winnipeg. He was in Buffalo. He wasn't a point-per-game guy, but he was getting 40. He was getting 50. He was getting 40, 35, 40. Ever since he's come to Vancouver, it's 21. It's 17. It's 20. It hasn't lived up to that expectations. And he hasn't been a bad player, mind you. I would take that defenseman on any team. But when you're making $6 million per, you're held to a higher standard. Guys in his little bubble making 5.8 to 6.2. Latangs, Pollock, Darlene, Dumba, Brodine, Schmidt, Pionk, Slavin. I would take any one of those other defensemen over a Tyler Myers. And I like Tyler Myers, friend of the show. I played with him. Same with OEL. I played with him in Arizona. They're great defensemen. They're not producing to their contract. And the last piece, another friend of the show, JT Miller. I love the guy. They went out, they swung for the fences, they had that great playoff run. What was the piece that was missing? JT Miller. They went out and grabbed him. They gave up a first rounder, they gave up a third rounder, they subsequently signed him to a big, big deal. What was it, 8.25, something crazy like that? You can't blame him. He's living up to his contract, but it's a huge amount of money to spend for a player when your team is struggling. And you're not making the playoffs as is. So those three issues right there, when you look at their draft record, you would think, oh, they're they're a bad drafting team. They don't have any good young prospects. No. Pod Colson, 
Hughes, Pedersen, Besser, Vertanen, Horvat. Those are their last six first rounders, other than the one they picked up last year. All those guys are productive players. What's the issue with the Vancouver Canucks then? Why are they not winning? It's because they don't play the right way. That's the only issue. The GM's giving them players. The players are producing. When you look at what they've done this season, they're eighth in goals for Tim. It's not like they're not scoring. They're fifth on the power play. They're killing it on the power play. Their defense is terrible. Their PK is atrocious. Their PK is 63%. You give them, if another team gets 10 power plays, they're scoring on four of them. That's atrocious. That's a bad penalty kill. That's really, really bad. They just fundamentally don't know how to play the game other than we're going to run and gun. They're up four to one. Quinn Hughes is still pinching. He's still in the in the offensive zone behind the net. Their forwards are still going balls out trying to score goals. They fundamentally fundamentally don't know how to play the game the right way. And that's the issue here. Boudreau is an offensive offensively gifted coach. I don't know. They don't know how to play the game the right way. They they play it one way, and that's why they score a ton of goals. That's why they get all these individual stats. That's why JT Miller had 99 points this year. Last year, that's why Bo Horvat's second in the league in goals with 14. They don't know how to play defense. They don't. I don't care who you bring in. You can bring in a defensive-minded defenseman, a shutdown D-man. It won't change this team. Now, it's so weird. You have an all-star goalie in Thatcher Demko. He's playing like garbage because these guys don't know how to play defense. They play they play offense better than anybody in the league. They cannot play defense, Tim. So, now trade Bo Horvat. It's not going to change anything. There was a coach on the market this past summer who was without a job, who has a track record proven of success of making the playoffs, and most importantly for them, very strong, sound defensive structures, very Old strong torts. in their own zone. Not just Torts, Bruce Cassidy. Oh, Bruce, Bruce Cassidy would have been a perfect fit for this team because I think you're right. The, the talent is there, and, and as much as we like to dump on them. They've gone out and made the moves. They've got the players. Similar to what we talked about with the Leafs, like as much as we dump on Dubas, he adds pieces every year. We, we have a need to go address it. The players don't get it done. So I think it's a, a cultural thing. I think it's a, a coaching thing. And so going back to Horvat, he's going to be gone at some point, whether it's now or closer to the deadline. How much is he valued at? Like he's making what, like seven mil, but he's got only one year on his deal. He's going to be looking for a big payday, having a tremendous start, 14 goals, like you said, second in the league. What's what's he worth? He's only making five and a half. So he, he's not even half. making yeah. that much money. So if, if they really want to do this, and they should because they are nowhere near the playoffs right now, and they're no, they're playing bad hockey. Even if they do have a run, yes, the Pacific Division, we all know anything's possible in that division. Even last year, they started off the season terrible i think they won one game in their first 50 and they still almost made the playoffs anything is possible in the pacific but if they really want to get the most out of this bo horvat trade you trade him right now maximizes value in my opinion a team will pay more now to get him acclimated with the team get him used to his line mates they can take advantage of that low salary cap for a guy who's second in the league in goals get a couple draft picks for him but it can't end there. Like I was saying earlier, you can't just trade Bo Horvat and then change this team. The guys are still there. You still have Pedersen. You still have Besser, Garland, Mikheyev, Hughes, Larson, Myers. You're not you're not moving those guys. So I pose this question to you, Tim. Do you just go nuclear? Trade everybody. Get rid of everybody. If you can. It's a fire sale. We will we want to trade everybody or is there someone on this team who you want to build around what's the answer well i think you still build around the the core being Pedersen, hughes and i still believe in thatcher demko you got your forward who can, who's a versatile forward you've got your goal scorer you got quinn hughes and you've got a, a goalie i think that's that's where you start again saying that you got some young and ex- exciting talented prospects or even young players like Pod Colson and Hoglander. You've also got JT Miller, who's probably undealable uh, in terms of like, you're not going to be able to move that contract. And you just not, signed him. Isn't that amazing? You just signed him. The new deal hasn't even kicked in yet. And he's, yeah, and he's producing. He's got like 20 points or something. Like he's, he's a good, good player. No one's dumping on him, but... I, I don't know. It sounds like a, it almost feels like a, a, an unsolvable problem to me. It is. These are the guys you brought to the dance. That's it. Everybody has their core. 
and this is your core. It's Pedersen, it's Besser, it is now Miller, Makayev, Garland. Can they? Can these guys make, win you a cup? We'll see. I, I don't think it's possible because of the back end. I just talked about it. They they went for all offense when they brought in Oliver Ekman Larson to pair up with Kun Hughes. Tyler Myers has never been mistaken for a defensively minded defenseman. The guy's tall. He's as big as a house. He's not good in his own zone. He's he's a fleet-footed, fast-skating, taller defenseman who's got a pretty good shot on him. But he's not good in his own zone. They tried to pair him up with some slower defensemen, these three, with like a Luke Shen. They bring in an Ethan Bear. It's not working. It's not working. So, I don't know. This is what you got, Vancouver. This is what you got. I don't like Pedersen. Well-documented. You go back in our podcast years ago. Ever since that whole fiasco of him saying, you know, I'm going to wait and see how the this and that, how the Vancouver, it's like, you're such a terrible, he's not a terrible person. I don't want that guy being the face of my franchise. I'll tell you that much. So this is it, Vancouver. This is your team. Get used to it. It is not getting better. I don't care who your coach is. I don't care if you get rid of Bo Horvat. This is your team. Unless you, unless you somehow get rid of Pedersen, Get rid of OEL, then we can talk. But yeah, without getting rid of those two guys here, it's going to be a tough decade for these guys. It really is. I don't see any light at the end of this tunnel. I really don't. And it's crazy to say that when you're the fifth highest scoring team in the league and you have all these star players. That's the bizarre part. You have a star studded team, Tim. All stars up and down the lineup. Am I wrong? And you're no. still, I'm still shaking my head like, you guys suck. You're not going to win. And it's because how they play the game. I don't know. Am I am I going to be crazy to say that they don't have enough Canadians on their team? Is is that is that too crazy to say? When I look at their lineup, Pedersen, Besser, Bo Horvat's their only Canadian, maybe who's making an impact right now. JT Miller's American. Karner Garland's American. Brock Besser's American. Pedersen's Swedish. Makayev doesn't sound Canadian. Kuzmenko. Pod Colson, Hoglander, Aman, Dakota Joshua. He's American. I don't – am I crazy? Quinn Hughes, American, Larson. I, I don't know. Not enough Canadians on that team, and maybe I'm just a homer because I, I love me some Canada on uh, hockey-related issues. Not that Justin Trudeau, that guy. Have, have I told you lately how that guy's just a piece of work? Oh, my word. But there might be, there might be something to this, Tim. Maybe they need a couple more Canadians on that team. Straighten them That's out a good a point. Played a little more defense. I didn't either until I started looking at their offense. Like, hey, a lot of a lot of vowels in those last names there, fellas. All right, moving on. Speaking of a non-Canadian fleet-footed skating defenseman, Eric Carlson is in the news again. Keeps getting points, having a great year. Twenty-four points in however many games they played. Eighteen, I believe. Resurrected his career, Tim. Mike Greer, new GM for the Sharks. Pouncing on the opportunity to get rid of this contract. He is selling it hard. He's not saying he's desperate. I, I like Mike's con- his comments right now. It, he's not coming off as desperate. He's not coming off too strong. But he's just saying, you know what? I'll listen. But here's his comments. Quote, unquote. GM Mike Greer of the San Jose Sharks. I'll listen. But at the end of the day, too, a lot will depend on Eric. He's got the trade protection and has control over what he wants to do. I know he's happy here. He loves San Jose. His family's happy here. And we're thrilled with how he's playing. So maybe there's a scenario where a team comes and asks for him in a trade. Because I do think he's a difference maker. He's someone who can go out there and win you a game. Or win you a series, for that matter. So maybe something will come down the road. We'll see. End quote. I obviously added inflection there. But it's it's a great quote. He's he's hoping someone calls on this guy. He what is what do you think is the lowest amount they could trade for Eric Carlson? Do you think they would let him go for free? A la what Vegas does with all their stars when they want to get rid of him, just ship him out for nothing? Would would the Sharks do that for Eric Carlson deal? Just take him. Contract free. Go. Gone. 
I, I think maybe not free, but I do think now that you say that, well, it'll probably be a lot less than you think. Cause you'd think Eric Carlson, superstar defenseman, leading the league in points, all this stuff. But that contract weighs his value down so much more than probably the, the average hockey fan realizes. And you know, sometimes those deals come through where it's like, how is he only worth that much? How did Taylor Hall only go for Bjork and whoever else? Like, how did, how did that all happen? It's the value of the contract and the expected production in the future. And that's sort of where I think we see this Eric Carlson thing coming in where I don't, it's not going to be free. It's not going to be nothing, but maybe it's like a decent prospect and a third just to get rid of the contract. Otherwise, I think if you, if you expect a lot in return, I think you're going to have to expect to eat up to 50% of the contract, which wouldn't surprise me either. The Vegas Golden Knights have done this with Mark Andre Fleury. They traded him for absolutely nobody. They traded Dad enough for well. They had to retain Shea Weber's contract, so that they they had to eat that. They traded Patcheretti for nothing. Future considerations. This this will go down if this happens. Another trade where San Jose might have to eat some of the, his contract to get rid of him. This is great negotiating by Mike Greer right now. Just pumping up his player, saying, you know what? He he could win you a series. He's the guy. He's the guy. He is your it. Nobody, no good GM in their right mind will give anything for this player because of what he makes and the term left on his contract. But maybe him playing good will entice some GM who needs a defenseman to say, you know what, San Jose? I'll I'll take the rest of his contract. He's got five years left him, eleven and a half million dollars. Let that sink into you. Five years at $11.5 million. That's Connor McDavid territory, just so you know. like that, that is rarefied air. Not a lot of people make more than $10 million, let alone 11.5. So if, they, if he could get rid of this contract, what? GM of the year. Give him the, give him the, give him the trophy. Give him the award. I don't care. It could be, it could be a lot less than eleven point five, and still be too much. Like if it was oh, eight, yeah. it, we'd be like, oh man, that's a tough deal. That's a tough contract to move. I don't know who's going to take that eleven point five. That's what I'm talking about when I say it's going to be less than people expect, just for that reason. And it's it's funny. I was you know looking at who which teams could could trade for him and who would want him, who needs a defenseman. I was on NHL.com this morning, and that was one of the top headlines. Was you know Sharks GM open to trade talks for Carlson, and two lines down, another headline: Ottawa Senators in the market for. A top defenseman. Obviously, there's a history there. And Elliot Friedman, I, I kind of dug into that uh, to see if there was a connection. And Friedman did say those two teams have talked. So that would be a lot of fun if you went back there. I don't think you realize you keep saying his value. San Jose will have to give someone a first rounder in my eyes and Eric Carlson to do this deal. So, Ottawa, if they get Eric Carlson, this is how the conversation should go. Hello, Mike. We want Eric Carlson. And Mike will say, okay, what can you give me? No, Mike, what will you give me for Eric Carlson? Because he makes $11.5 million for five more years. And Mike will say, okay, I'll give you a first rounder and Eric Carlson as long as you take his whole contract. That's how the deal will go down if it does go down. The team requiring Eric Carlson will not give up anything. The only thing they'll give up potentially is what we saw in that Oliver Ekman Larson trade. A lot of guys making a decent amount of money who are on one year terms. So uh, when Arizona gave up OEL, they took on Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, and Louis Erickson. All those contracts were up. Maybe not Louis Erickson's, but they were up at the end of the season. It was $3 million, $2 million, whatever Carlson made. That's how they make this deal work. So if Ottawa has to go for Eric Carlson, they'll give San Jose a couple guys making only uh, – who does Ottawa have on a, on a short-term deal? Let me pull it up real quick. So if Ottawa trades for Eric Carlson, they would give up like a Austin Watson or a Travis Hominick to balance that out a little bit just so they can make the books work by the end of the season. I know that's only four and a half, but – you know, to make this work and have San, San Jose eat some contract or send over a first rounder because I don't want to spend too much time on this. I, I feel like I'm making my same point over and over and over again, but if they can get out from Eric Carlson's deal, I don't mind the San Jose Sharks. I really don't in the next few seasons. What's holding this team back is him and it's the other guy who's paired up with him. Well, they're not paired up together, but Mark Edward Vlasic, his deal's still got four years left on it. So if you can get out from one of those albatrosses albatrosses of a contract, 
I don't mind San Jose, Hurdle, Couture, Timo Meyer, Riop Him. I like LeBanc, Kunin. They're a pretty good team, you know, for 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 what they have. So I don't think he gets dealt. Nobody would be that stupid to deal for him. That was my last question. I know it totally depends on like the team and the situation, the cap situation, all that stuff. But generally speaking, if you're a GM in the league, are you interested in Eric Carlson? Would you trade for him if you make the numbers work? No. Uh, it, well, again, it depends on the the numbers. If San Jose is willing to eat half of that and give us a first rounder, and I'm getting getting Eric Carlson, but I'm only paying him six, that's different. But if I have to eat eleven and a half, and I'm paying him that much for five more years, no way, no, no way. He he, it's too much money. It's too much money. When they signed him to that deal, it was a mistake. But hey, th- much like Vancouver. You have to do it. Vancouver has to re-up JT Miller if they want to, you know, compete, play with the big boys. That's what San Jose had to do. We want Eric Carlson. He's the best defenseman in the league. We have to pay him that much, and it just hasn't worked out. It works out for other teams. Didn't work out for San Jose. Not working out for Vancouver. Speaking of not working out, Alex Edler is having a hard time hitting people without throwing a knee into another knee. That guy, he's a great defenseman, Alex Edler. You should not try to hit people as a defenseman when you're skating at them. It never ends well. Never ends well. You 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 just let them come to you, baby. And he did it to Zach Hyman, did it to Connor McDavid last night. Did you see the hit? I did. Yep. That dangerous hit. Well, dangerous it's hit. it's not a great hit. It didn't look good. And so like I'm totally fine with him getting a penalty and like knee on knee hit. Glad McDavid seems to be okay. I didn't think it was dirty. And I'm not talking about I know he's got a history with Hyman and other other similar hits. The hit itself, I mean, like you said, you didn't put himself in a great position. You don't lunge at skate right at the guy, especially someone like McDavid is so slippery. But I think McDavid just sort of it all happened so quick. He jumped out of the way. There's a knee on knee. I don't think there was like, it wasn't as egregious as some of the other knee on knee hits we've seen in the last couple of seasons. To the average person, it doesn't look egregious. It doesn't look that bad. It's, and I'm not, I'm not meeting this as a slight. As an NHL player, Alex Edder's been in the league for over 10 years. He knows how fast the game is. He knows when he puts himself in a bad situation. He has done this many times before. He, he should get five games for this. It's a dangerous hit. You could end someone's career. You could tear ACL, LCL, meniscus, everything, blow the whole knee out. Hyman, he put him out for two months. Could have been a lot worse. When you're going at somebody and you throw your knee to them, it's even just to extend your leg because you know you're going to get beat. It's it's bad. I know it happens fast, and I know it's people say it's a knee-jerk reaction and you, you can't control it. You can control it. You skate every single day, Alex Edler. You've been in the NHL for over 10 years. You know what you're doing. You've done that exact same play in the exact same position of the ice. It's it's a bad hit. It's a really bad hit. It could have ended. It could have potentially ruined the career of Connor McDavid. If he gets, gets him the right way, his game is speed. If he hits him and he has to get a complete knee replacement, not replacement, just scope, everything, LCL, MCL, everything, he's not the same player. Bobby Orr. I'm not comparing the two, but Bobby Orr had his career ended by a knee to knee. Oh, wasn't the same player. So I don't know. So got me thinking. Go well, ahead. yeah, there's a little like, you know, uh, melee after the whistle. Nurse wants to fight Edler. All the guys are grabbing each other. And then you have those little moments that are, ne- you can never hear when you're watching the broadcast, like Dowdy leaning over the bench, screaming at the guys, McDavid going over and jawing at the King's bench. What what do, what do they say in those moments? What are those conversations? I know you can't say word for word, but like what what would you say in those scenarios? What's what, what's the conversation? Um, what I would say to Edler, or just what they're saying. Well, here's the thing: who who does Edmonton have who's going to really say anything? It, it's they have only Darnell Nurse right now on their team who can really scare somebody. Their toughest guy is out. Vander Kane, he's not playing for three to four months because he got cut. They don't have anybody who strikes fear in another team. Their fourth line is Derek Ryan, Devin Shore, and Dylan Holloway. Those guys combined, I think, weigh 400 pounds. So they're not scaring anybody. (laughs) So Darnell Nurse is saying, keep your head up. That's dirty. What are you doing? I'm going to kill you. You're dead. Alex Edler's saying, no, I'm not. No one's doing anything. 
You're not going to fight anybody. It's, it's, it's a very empty threat. So I don't know. It it just makes me think, okay, do, do they need somebody on their team to protect these guys? Would anybody being on the team would have prevented this at all? If they had somebody, does Alex Edler make that same play? I think he does. But then after the fact, you have someone go out there and you beat the doors off Alex Edler or grab somebody else for the LA Kings. Or he, if you really want to amp it up, you have somebody go after Kopitar's knees. Really, really play dirty, you know? And that's that's what would have happened. Like when, when I was with Buffalo, I had Steve Ott. I had Patty Coletta. I had Mike Weber. If someone were to go after Thomas Vanek, we would get together and say, all right, we're going after their star player. That that's how it works. If 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 you don't get that guy to fight, I would go up to Edler. I say we're going to fight, or I'm going to go after Gabrick, whoever was their star at the time. You would say stuff like that, yeah. Or Steve, I'm, or I would say I'm going to get Coletta to go take a run at somebody. I'm going to tell Steve Ott to to break Gabrick's ankles. It was a very common conversation, and you would be forced to fight, that. or LA's tough guy would have to answer. Or that that's the part of the game. And I'm not saying fighting answers everything, but there would be some kind of retribution. You saw in this game, Connor McDavid had to go and cross-check Edler, and he took a two-minute penalty on him. So, I don't know. Maybe, it's, maybe it wouldn't have changed anything. But I think it says a lot to a team when you have cause and effect. There, there's, there's an answer. Something happens. Somebody took, took a run at our best player, the best player in the league, and nothing happened. It would have been nice if they would have had Lucic or even if Cassian was in the lineup and he jumped over the boards and he grabs one of their third, fourth liners and just beats the snot out of him. And it's like, okay, you take a run at McDavid again, I'm going to kill somebody. Maybe Edler doesn't do that again. I don't know. It, it was I, I was just a little disappointed. In, I mean, like they used to have Gretzky. He had Semenko. He had McSorley. You got to have someone to protect these guys. You have to. Ovechkin had a great Crosby and Ovechkin did some interviews lately and Ovechkin was posed the question, who would you want to be your winger? If Crosby's the centerman, you're on the wing. Who was your other winger? Who would you say? Have you seen this? No. Who would you say he would say Ovechkin out of all the players he's played with of all the players in the world, a reporter asked him, who would you want to be the other line mate for you and Crosby? I would guess another Russian like Kaprizov or Tarasenko. He said Donald Brashear. <laughs> really? That speaks That's volumes funny. to me. Yeah. Donald Brashear. He's like, we need some space. We need some protection. Everybody shakes their head. He's like, oh, what are you nuts? You want another skill? You need. You want someone who can skate with you guys, someone who's fast, someone who can compliment you and Crosby to form the ultimate line. He wants Donald Brashear. And his reasoning was, I want some space. For all those people who say goons don't make a difference, this and that, they're, they're a waste of space, we don't want them in the game, arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time wants a tough guy to be on his line with Sidney Crosby. It just, it, hey, it just speaks volumes. There's a place for tough guys in this league, and there's a place for food in my stomach when I'm hungry. And when I need that place filled, I use DoorDash. Because my, I got a big stomach and I want my food and I want it quick. And daddy wants some beers sometimes too. So when I get thirsty, when I get hungry, boop, boop, fire up the phone. I don't have a tablet, but if I did, imagine having an iPad. How great. You got an iPad, Tim? I oh, just got everything for my birthday. You, yeah. you did. You buy yourself birthday presents? My mom gave me money to buy it for myself. For, that was my birthday present. From her? Yeah. Deirdre. Wow. I didn't know she was doing that well. iPads? (laughs) She had a good crop yield, yeah. Wow. But yeah, but anyways, get your tablet, fire up your computer, your phone, whatever you use for your internet. Use DoorDash. Use our promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDDUS if you're in the US of A. Get yourself 25% off, free delivery. It's a fantastic deal. It's a good company. I love them. Tim loves them. You guys love them. You know that. I, I pump this DoorDash balloon every single show because it's great. We get people asking us to do ads all the time, and I say, kick rocks. I don't like your company. We like DoorDash. You should like DoorDash, too. So use them. Give us a little bump. Give your tummy a little bump, and everybody's happy. So DoorDash, promo code GlovesDD if you're in the continental Canada. Gloves DD US if you're in the United States. Does it work in Hawaii? Do you know Puerto Rico? I'm sure it does. 
No, try it. If you're in Puerto Rico now, we got a ton of Puerto Ricans listening. Let us know if it works. DoorDash, everybody. All right. We 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 mentioned the Sabres. You didn't know that, did you, Tim? You don't look at our demographics. Our Puerto Rican viewership is just insane. It's skyrocketed. It really has. They love they love dropping the gloves. All right, Tim. The Sabres. We we alluded to them earlier in the show. There's a trend happening with the Buffalo Sabres. Groundhog Day. Greg Wisniewski, piece of garbage. Greg Wisniewski. Um, he tweeted. Wisniewski. Who cares? Puck Daddy. Not a fan of him. Does great work. Not a fan of him. Um, he tweeted out the Sabres. It's what they do. And I knew this. Tim, you've known this, but to see it written down, it's just like, what happens with this team? So in 2019 and 20, they had an 8-1-1 start. Then they lost 10-12. The following year, 2021, they started the year a little slower, 4-3-2, but still, you know, respectable. Then they lost 23-25. The year after that, the year after that, 21-22, the 5-1-1 start. Great. Then they lost 10-12. This year, 22-23, 7-3 start. New year, same old Sabres. They are currently on a seven-game losing streak. That's 2021, 23, 25 games. Holy moly. That's a lot of L's. But this year, they started seven and three. Everybody thought they'd change their tune. They got rid of Eichel, brought in the new crop of players. This is it. I I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm like, Sabres, they seem like a different team. They are currently on a seven-game losing streak. Is it? Oh, How? How does this happen for the Sabres? Every single year we had Ristolainen on a couple times. He talked about how bad it is. Is it just something in the water in Buffalo, the Erie Canal? It makes you strong for the first month, then you just diarrhea the rest of the season? Well, what's crazy is, like, over these four seasons, they've had such a different cast of characters every single year. Like, it's not an Eichel thing. And think about, like, Taylor Hall. um, Eric Stahl was there for one year. Like all these big name players are come and gone and the same thing keeps happening. So it's not, it's not like it's the same group going back to the well every year with the same, they always start hot, slow down. It's different, different players, same story. It is really fascinating. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Hopefully they turn it around because they're a fun team and I think they're hockey's a better sport if these guys are winning some games, but seven in a row is no joke. Despite the fact that Tage Thompson's on pace for 60 goals. Tage Thompson is. The future captain of the Buffalo Sabres. If BetUSA had a prop bet of future captains of the Sabres, he is getting all my money. By the way, we'll get to my debacle of a bet soon. Oh, I lost my shirt, Tim. <laughs> hey, is, is Tate Thompson locked in for uh, Olympic roster in your mind? Yeah, I would think so. He's American, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Like, how could you not? He's six foot seven, six foot six, I heard. Six foot six puts up sixty goal pace. Yeah, he made a beautiful play the other day. He picked someone's pocket. I think they played Boston. Might have been versus the Bruins. Pick someone's pocket, coast to coast, finished. Unbelievably just gifted play. It was beautiful. For to see a six foot six guy be able to do that, to outskate people, first of all, and have that kind of patience and hands, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a special player. He already is. He's a superstar in this league. All right. Another team was – there's some – you put some numbers up on this agenda, Tim. I was shocked. The Anaheim Ducks, we are almost 20 games into the season, Tim. Like 20 games. The Ducks have played 17 or 18 games. They have yet to win a game – sorry, 16 games. They have yet to win a game in regulation. So the puck has been dropped 16 times for the Anaheim Ducks. They have five wins. All five of those wins have happened after regulation. They have three overtime wins and two wins in shootouts. That's insane. 16 games, you can't get a win in regulation? Is that? I don't know if it's some kind of record, but how demoralizing if you're the Anaheim Ducks? Does this have to be? I saw that headline this morning, and I was like, I thought it was an exaggeration or someone overreacting. Nope, it's true. Go look at the stats. It's crazy. It's a, that's, a, that's the craziest numbers we've talked about in months. Is it what's more crazier that happening? Them not winning a game technically. If this if this league is played twenty years ago when ties are still intact, they are zero ten and six or zero ten and five or no zero ten and six. That's their record. They don't have a win yet. Is that more crazy, or is this stat more crazy that the New Jersey Devils, after starting zero and two to start the season, 
they are 13 and one in their last 14 games. They've won 10 in a row. Is that a, is that a crazier stat that they have just completely? And I'm not saying turn the season. Did you see the cool moment? The fans say chanting "Sorry, Lindy." Yeah, yeah New Jersey cool. is pretty neat. Good for you acknowledging your your wrongness. Sorry, I enjoy that. But what's crazier, it, Anaheim not having a win, or the New, New Jersey Devils going 14 and one or 13 and one in their last 14 games? Yeah, including a 10 game win streak. There was that interview uh, yesterday, the day before Jack Hughes was asked basically about a question about like one aspect of their game that they needed to improve on, maybe defensive play or something. And he goes, uh, well, we've won nine in a row, so I think we're doing okay. And it was just a great little quote, great interaction. And it's true. They want, they want to, I think it was, it might have been against Ottawa because it was a Canadian market and they want to overanalyze every little thing and something special is happening with this team. And I, I keep wanting to say, well, well, you know, well, but I'm starting to believe. You know, they don't have any one player who's really lighting it up. They don't have anybody in the top 10 for goals. They don't have really anybody in the top 10. Well, Jesper Bratt is, is playing well for assists. He's in the top 10 for assists. But other than that, it's a group effort Effort with this team. We, we talked about them all a lot. What was it, Monday or Friday? We broke down how great they are. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I'm all in. Another team I thought, you know, bad luck. We talked about Jordan Bennington. You were on the other side of this coin. I said, Bennington's having a good season. They're just not playing that great. All of a sudden, St. Louis Blues won four straight, and not versus the usual Pacific Division, just easy wins, the Anaheims, the San Jose's, the Vancouver's. The St. Louis Blues are beating good teams, Tim. They've won four in a row. Can we finally say, okay, St. Louis is back in that good tier of teams in the Central where we can put them up with Colorado? Or are they still? do they still have something to prove in your eyes? Uh, I don't know if they're up with Colorado, but yeah, I think if, uh, even when they were down in the standings, they're still not a team I would bet against on any particular night. Now that they've won four in a row, which I think Bennington started all four of those games, they look like a good team. And this, they're too good. And you look at their roster, it's too talented to be, you know, anything less than a playoff team and a serious contender. You know that Jordan Kyrou had a slow start. He's going to come around. Ryan O'Reilly's better than this. Tory Krug is better than this. He's not a minus 12 player. At least some of these guys, Butch Navis missed a couple of games, but he's going to be better and then the top of their lineup is already producing pretty solidly like their best like shen tarasenko falk thomas those guys are all there so i think i think they are this is legit i'm buying into this and i think they'll be a good team for the rest of the way so still right now even they had a slow start they are third last in the western conference fourth last excuse me so you see them continuing this trend they're going to pass chicago nashville minnesota winnipeg they're they will be in the top three you think midway through the season right now, they've only played 15 games, so there's a lot of hockey to go, but that's it. They, they've figured out their problems. They're going to – sky's the limit for the Blues now? E, I mean, in, in simple terms, yeah. Yeah, I think they'll be a playoff team and maybe a wild card team, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they get back into that top three. Yeah, because people were already pondering, well, where does Tarasenko go? They were ready to blow this team up. It's funny how a couple, couple wins – one strong week, we saw Toronto after their Western Conference just shellacking. They come home and they win three or four in a row. Everybody's easing off on Toronto now. St. Louis, terrible start, just like when they won the Stanley Cup. Blow the team up. Let's trade Vladimir Tarasenko. So are they are they a team that adds now, Tim? Because last time I heard, Tarasenko was going to the Edmonton Oilers because they had an extra, a little a couple extra bucks because of the Vander Kane issue. But now maybe we, we keep Tarasenko even though he's uh, up on his contract. Ryan O'Reilly's going to be an unrestricted free agent. They have a lot of contracts that could pose problems come the trade deadline when, well, we, do we want to keep Ryan O'Reilly our captain? Do we want to get something from him, or do we let him walk at the end of the season? He's only 31. He's still a very valuable player. We can get a lot of money for him. But what what do the Blues do this year? Because they have a lot of valuable pieces do they re-up these guys and they look like the Vancouver Canucks when you give Ryan O'Reilly a seven-year deal, even though he's 31? Vladimir Tarasenko, he asked for a trade two years ago, I believe it was. I mean, he still hasn't gotten it, but he's, he's a good player. He hasn't slowed down. He's putting up decent points. He had 82 points last year for the St. Louis Blues. How do they navigate these two players? 
Well, it's it's kind of challenging because I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but looking at their situation, they've got a couple of big deals that haven't kicked in yet between Thomas and Kairou, both making 2.8. They're both going to start making 8.125 next year. So that's going to eat up a lot of their cap. And those are two great players that I that I want to build around from them, not to mention Bucinavich, Shen. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they moved on from one or both of these guys. I think if they're going to keep one, it's probably O'Reilly at a smaller deal and smaller term. I think Tarasenko probably is going to end up hitting the open market and he'll be the if not the, the top dog one of the, the top prizes in the in the summer so i i think i'm okay moving on from tarasenko as good as he is and i'm actually a big fan of his but i think this next young group they've already made a statement that they're committing to those guys as their future with the money that they've given them yeah it's funny you look at every team and you look at how they're constructed the back end you signed Tory Krug for that money you signed nick letty for that money you re-up justin falk after the trade for that amount of money like those are your guys, you know, ride or die. And right now, that if there was an issue on this team, it's the back end. Crazy as it seems, two years ago that would have been locked in our strength. But now, you know, Nick Letty's thirty-one. He's played enough games to be forty-five. Justin Falk, he's got injury issues. Tory Krug has not been the same player in St. Louis that he was in Boston. And Colton Perenko, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's signed still at six point five until twenty-nine thirty. So he's got another eight years left on that deal. So it's going to hinge on the back end. They have a lot of money tied up for their defensemen for a long time. So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I I like a good St. Louis team. I love playing in that barn. Good for them. All right. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. It was a tough Sunday night for me. Or it was Friday night. I can't remember when I lost my shirt. I took the over. Colorado and whoever the hell they played. St. Louis. Six goals, that's all they had to score to push. I check after the first period, it's one nothing. The other game I was pondering, it was Calgary-LA. They had scored seven goals in the first period. And I was kicking myself. And yep, So I lost a, a sizable amount of money on that game. I went, I went for it. So it's time, to start, it's time to start clawing my way back, Tim. What are we doing? What are you doing? That's what I want to know. Yeah, there's a whole ton of games tonight. I have two bets that I'm liking. The first is an over parlay. I picked three games that I think are going to go. I think there's 10 games tonight, 10 or 11. There's plenty of choices. I'm going over on Boston, Philly. I'm going over on Minnesota and Pittsburgh, especially knowing that uh, Fleury is going to be out with some, with I don't know how long. Um, and so I'm picking the over there. And then the Calgary and Tampa Bay. And so I, all three of those parlayed, the, the winnings are going to be astronomical. It's like bet 10 bucks, win 80 or something like that. And then... That's not astronomical. Uh, Odds-wise, it is. Odds-wise, okay. it is. I would, I bet more than 10 bucks. I'm just saying that's a huge return. (laughs) Listen to you. 15. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And then, um, my second pick, big underdog pick, seen a lot of chatter about this team in a positive light lately. makes me think there's something happening here. Even though they lost the last two games, I have the Yoti, the Yotes coyotes winning over Vegas tonight. That's a big underdog. pick. Yeah, that was, (laughs) I don't, I just misspoke. I don't call them that. That is a big yes. underdog pick. All right. Yeah. I like that. I'm a little gun shy after my shellacking. So I'm I'm going all favorites and I'm going to parlay them and hopefully I can get some momentum going here. I'm not going all the games. There are some there's some really good hockey games tonight. Hurricanes, Avalanche, Panthers, Stars, Leafs, Devils, Lightning, Flame, Bruins, Flyers. Those are all really good competitive hockey games. So I'm not touching any of those games. I don't know how the outcome's going. I'm going all favorites. I'm taking the Red Wings over the Sharks, Knights over the Yotes, Rangers over the Kraken, Islanders over the Predators, Penguins over the Wild. Mark Andre Fleury's out for the count a little bit, and I'm going the Jets over the Ducks. Taking all those teams, and I'm going to parlay all of them, and hopefully I can get just a, a fraction of the money I lost last week because it was a it was a big it was a big amount. But we're, it's another day, Tim. You know what I mean? We're going to build that we're going to build that mountain of money up again. What else are we talking about? Let's do some quick hits and get out of here. Yeah, we mentioned Flurry. He's on the IR with an upper body injury. No timetable yet. No details. Hopefully it's not too long, but it's going to be at least a week. Um, second kind of interesting tidbit here. We saw, obviously, Evander Kane got his wrist slashed, wrist slashed last week with that injury. Uh, the NHL is raising question of mandating a cut-resistant gear 
which I think probably makes sense as long as it doesn't slow him down. It's not too heavy. Was that ever brought up as a player when you guys were in the league? Was that ever mentioned? Or was that a new? We concept? had it on our legs. We had it on our legs because a lot of guys, for whatever reason, in a year, it was right when I came into the league in Minnesota, they kept cutting their calves. And I think someone got their Achilles nicked a little bit. So everybody was all paranoid about those cut resistant socks. And so someone made some and it was a thing for a year, but I don't think it went anywhere, but you can't mandate something. You can't make players wear a cut resistant thing on your wrist because one player gets cut. It was an unfortunate thing. How many thousands of players play in the NHL every single year, play millions of minutes and this happens once and you have to like, Oh, everybody has to wear this now. No, if they want to wear it, they can wear it. If not, let them be. Okay, but wouldn't they have said the same thing about helmets 40 or 50 years ago? You can't just make were the there, guys wear helmets. They can take the were there more helmet, Were there more head injuries? I think you're more apt to bump your head on the boards than you already get a cut on the wrist. Like, how yeah. often do you see this happening? It's a very rare occurrence. I don't think there should be helmets. If you want to wear it, wear it. Good. If you want to wear a visor, good for you. I think everybody has up to their own issue. You, that's not. I didn't say that right, but leave it up to the player. If they want to wear a visor, wear a visor. If you want to wear a helmet, wear a helmet. If you want to wear um, a piece of duct tape around your wrist to protect you from getting cut, so be it. All right, Tim. You started the you started the podcast off, and you were hot. Now I see on the end of the end of the agenda, it says Tim's making a bold prediction about the Eastern Conference. What is this? What's your bold prediction now? Yeah, I tweeted it out a few minutes ago. I don't know how bold you think it is, but I'm looking at the Eastern Conference standings, and I feel like this is pretty similar to what we said last year. The eight teams in a playoff spot right now, November, whatever it is, it's the 18th, I think those are going to be the same eight teams that make the playoffs. I don't think there's going to be any change other than up and down, you know, the, the, the rankings among these eight teams and the final standing. But I think we've seen exactly what teams are going to make the playoffs. The West, on the other hand, is wide open still. I think the Blues are going to climb. I think the Kraken are going to come down. All kinds of things happening over there. But I think the teams in the, in the East are set. What do you uh... think? It's a safe bet, especially in the Atlantic. Those teams are there. They've been there for five years. I, 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 the Islanders, I think, would be the only outlier in the Metro. I feel like Pittsburgh will get better. They they have to. But, yeah, it's a safe bet. The East is, is very top-heavy. Those top eight or nine teams are very, very good. For a long time, it's been a very top-heavy league, and I think you're seeing that. Sabres are starting to struggle a little bit. Ottawa has not progressed like they've hoped. Montreal's been somewhat competitive, and same with Detroit. So I don't think Tampa makes the playoffs, but it, a very bold prediction, Tim. Oh, so bold. A bold hey, prediction more- would be saying only five of those teams will make the playoffs, and Montreal, Detroit, and Philly are going to supplant three of those teams. One more thing, not not hockey related, but um, there's a video going around Twitter today of the announcer play-by-play guy for the Minnesota Vikings commentating, reacting to their big comeback on Sunday Oh, my night. gosh. What a game. You want to talk about it? I was listening to it on the radio because I don't have a TV. It's a lifestyle choice. So I was listening to it on the radio, and I'm just shaking my head. Gaff after gaff after gaff of the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. In the end, this will be a good thing. I think they were just cruising along. Everything was working. They didn't have much adversity. They lost to the Jets, but that was a blip. Minnesota's a good team. They're they're seven and one now. They're eight and one. So it's not like they lost to the New England Patriots or some garbage team like that. It was a good team, Minnesota Vikings. The Bills should have won. Even just take a safety at the end of the game. Take Justin Jefferson's catch. It was like fourth and twenty two, and he snags it out of the Bills guy's hands was getting a pick like it was the catch of the decade it was an unbelievable catch so for all those things to line up and the bills still almost win i'm okay with it bills will win the super bowl this year bank it put in the bank all right speaking of minnesota if you're in the minnesota area my michigan tech huskies are playing st thomas this weekend i got a friend who goes to st thomas seminary i'm gonna tell him to go check it out so check it out minnesota huskies they're uh six two and one right now in the ccha tim not bad. Not good. Not bad. They're usually first place. They've been struggling a little bit, but they their coach has got their hundredth collegiate win. Congrats to him. Joe Sean. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Tim. Joe Sean. 
But anyways, everybody, go check it out. MTU Huskies playing St. Thomas this weekend. Other than that, we'll catch you guys tomorrow, right? We're going to do a, a back-to-back episodes because you just ghosted us yesterday. I'll be here. When's the wedding? Saturday? Saturday, yeah. The dinner is tomorrow night. We're driving up. It's up in Vermont. Very beautiful. Ooh. Up in the mountains, yeah. Weird time of year. They couldn't get it in the fall? I think, yeah, because of COVID. Everything was just way booked back, so all the weddings got screwed up for a couple of years. Prices probably dropped a little bit once it hit middle of October because it's probably colors up there in September, beautiful August. Are you the best man? Yeah, I got my speech all written. How long is it? Uh, not long. I'm guessing maybe like a minute and a half, something like that. That's it? You don't want to go too long. Tell a couple stories and jokes. You roast it's them a little bit. It's longer than a minute and a half. I don't know. I haven't timed it. It's not that long. You don't want to go too long. Were you, have you ever you been a You want to have a nice five to ten minute speech to make it impactful. No. <laughs> yeah, that's not a long time, five minutes. Have you have you given a best man speech? No, I've never been a best man. That says a uh, lot about them. Someday, John. Maybe Even for my married. brother. How about my brother? He plans his wedding and he picks the date and I was still in the show and it was I had a game. I'm like, Curtis, I can't go to your wedding. I have a game. What are you doing? And I was in Buffalo at the time. So we could have easily picked another day. And I know you pick it months out, whatever. Figure it out, man. You want your your famous brother at the wedding or not? Apparently not. Pretty big shadow that he lives under. He probably did it on purpose. He might have done it on purpose. Yeah. He might have done it on purpose. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I hope you're having a good week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.